Welcome to the Community Podcast, brought to you by the Community Paper. Since 1989, the Community Paper has been sharing good news happening in downtown Orlando and College Park. Your hosts for the show are Orlando native and the paper's publisher, Debbie Gunter, and Orlando transplant and managing editor, Tommy Cardinal. Welcome to episode 25. That's a quarter century. I feel like it's a landmark time for us. It is. Did uh, did we do anything? Do we have a cake? Oh. I didn't get the cake. I what? thought you were going to get the cake. I should have got the cake. You're right. I do have some peanut M&Ms we can have. Okay, great. Just, you know, And then celebrate. we'll go to uh, one of the many bakeries in town and get a cake. Oh, yes. Yeah. If I weren't trying to lose weight, I would be all over that. A lot happening this March, and we are sort of finally getting uh, our community calendar back in gear where we are sharing community events happening each month. Um, it's at the end of the paper if you haven't seen it yet. There's a lot of great things happening this month. What are you so what are you guys excited for? Okay, personally, I am really excited about Sunday in the Park coming back. If you've never been, it's just such a fun fun day. And typically the weather is great. There've been a couple years um, where it rained, but for the most part, it, it's always a beautiful day and just to have the whole community out outside and the school kids sing and art vendors everywhere and rides and ponies and it's just such a cool small town fun day and it's put on by the neighborhood association yeah the college park neighborhood association and they haven't done it for how long was the last past couple years yeah Yeah. because covid in fact they were i felt so badly for them they were supposed to um it's always in march and so covid they i mean up until the very end i think they were hoping nobody really realized how Mm. unbelievably serious this was going to be and so they had to cancel at the last minute i felt bad for them but they're back so that's exciting that's uh the 13th yeah at dartmouth park from 11 30 to 5 uh during that around that same time as well as the lou garden plant sale I always like to see those. And I got really into plants, started working at the Heavy a couple of years ago. It's been, a, it's about my two year anniversary working there. Yeah. Knew nothing about plants coming in. And so the plant industry and how many people got into it, not only because of the pandemic and it started collecting. And then there's all these rare plants that everybody's looking for and spending way too much money on. So I was like going to a plant sale and seeing what's there. Have you been to the Lou Garden one? I, I love Lou Gardens, but I haven't been to the plant sale yet, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I haven't been to it either, and it looks like it's odd. like they. It should be pretty amazing. They bring a whole bunch of like nurseries, and people set up tables. Yeah. And- so let's go early, me and Tommy. Let's go early, and I will show you all the very rare plants for your new uh, place. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Perfect. I like house plants. Yeah. I want to also show you the ones that are safe for your cat, for Conway. Oh, that's very important. Yeah. You're, you really are an expert now. Yeah, yeah. Those are the things that I know. I may or may not make up some plant care uh, <laughs> advice uh, when I don't exactly know the plant, but most of the time I'm accurate. That's awesome. Yeah, this time of year, don't you just want to get new plants and be outside and everything's blooming, my allergies included, yeah. but <laughs> but no, it's a great time of year. Um, Tommy, you looking forward to any events in uh, March? Well, I'm really excited about a first-of-its-kind event, the Thornton Bark Pub Crawl. What is that? It's a new event that the Thornton Park District's putting on where it's centered around dogs, and it's all these uh, restaurants and bars will be offering, like, outdoor 
service Seating and, and service, everything yeah. so that the dogs can hang out. And I think they're doing a dog uh, fashion show or something, but uh, I, I'm, the details aren't all the way ironed out yet, but the time and the place is, so it's going to be really cool. Because Thornton Park has great uh, um, community of people who walk dogs a lot. Like yeah. every time you walk in Thornton Park, you see a bunch of cute I'm dogs. tripping over dogs, yeah. Yeah. And I hope to see Beauregard there, Logan Lamphere's dog. He's very cute. Every time I go to a dog event, I run into him. Oh, do you? A little French Oh, I'm sure bulldog. he will be. When is that event? It's on the 26th. Awesome. The TPD Circle. Yep. So the place by World of Beer where they start doing that Thursday night market now. Uh, Thursday and Friday night now. Thursday and Friday night. Yeah, yeah they, they just changed it because it. it's so popular. I got this shirt, Conrail. It, I got the shirt here at the, at oh, the it's market. A, they have it's a bunch a, of... It's, I was going to ask you about that. It's a vintage shirt. Yeah, it's a, yeah. I looked it up. It's a defunct railroad service, but I, <laughs> I like trains and I like my cat named Conway. So, so Conrail... Conrail. I think I'm going to You had to have it. I had to have it. You had it. to have it. It's a little big on me, but I, it's so worth no, I it. I like it. And yeah. it says, let's keep it moving. So I think feel like that is just speaking to you as well. It's You're you're on the move. You're moving houses. Motivational. You have a car that is sometimes reliable. I love it. <laughs> yeah. It really ties in. Moving. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, so there's a lot in our community calendar, and it's mostly free events. I think it's all free events, isn't it? Yeah, we try to publish um, community organization events, um, events run by the city, um, you know, local organizations, that type of thing. So, yeah, we this was one of the things that when we did our focus group and our survey last year, people really missed having the community calendar in print. And so we brought it back and we hope everyone enjoys it and makes good use of it. And we have weekly event calendars, too, that go out in our newsletter. Mm-hmm. And we also have a space on our website where you can submit events. I was going to say, if there's something you're really excited about and you want to submit it to us, it's on the website. You can submit it and we'll take a look at it and put it in the calendar if it's Mm -hmm. appropriate. Yep. Yourcommunitypaper.com. Talking about an organization that's going to have a lot of events coming up that I'm kind of excited about is another Main Street district. Yes. Just got started. They kicked off their approval as a main street yeah. with a with a cool event the same day as the wall project they uh it was last saturday they and that's did the paramore their, district the, yeah the paramore district did their mural reveal tour so wells fargo has these community grants and they gave uh some grants to the paramore district before they were actually a district so the city district last year and they used those to install three murals across the Paramore District, and it's all centered sort of around South Paramore Avenue, and they are beautiful murals, and they yeah. they did a, like a walking tour. So we started at, you know, that lake that's across from Exploria Stadium next to Cafe Express, that little hole-in-the-wall place, but there's a big wall overlooking the lake, and that was like the marquee mural, and there was another, there were two others on Paramore Avenue, one outside of a... a barber and it showed the history of black hair like the culture of black hair like in the 50s it was straightened and sort of whitewashed and then in the 80s braids were a thing and and it showed like that's so cool how how 
black culture has changed through their through the hairstyles. Right. And the artists like made the first picture like black and white and the second picture more colored and the third picture like it was like the return of natural hair mm-hmm. and it was like so colorful and oh, it, it was such a cool mural but all of them were great and it's sort of like it was like that and then a block party right there in the Paramore district so it was sort of a cool kickoff to the Paramore district yeah. so I think is that the 12th I think it's 12 or 13 main streets. It's a lot of main streets now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it it feels like we're almost, um, you know, they don't, we don't have a direct relationship with the main streets, but all the work they do. I was just thinking about since uh, Christian Switzer left the Mm -hmm. Ivanhoe district, I'm like, all the work they do is so great. And the stuff that they promote and the events they put together Mm -hmm. for the businesses and the residents in those areas, even residents coming in from other areas. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. And all the volunteers, too, that, you know, participate to make this all happen. Yeah, each each Main Street only has one paid employee, I think, and then Mm -hmm. the rest are volunteers. So it's it's awesome. And so the sort of history of the Paramore District is they they tried one. 15 years ago or something and it never really materialized or they they worked to try to make it happen but this time the way they did it was the church street district it was then called the church street district was just Mm -hmm. a very small footprint and they did a very large expansion that may have been two or three years ago i know i wrote about it when it happened so it couldn't have been that long so i think it was two or three years ago and they expanded into paramore and even a lot through downtown and they rebranded as the city district. Yeah. So when they expanded in the Paramore, they split in the three zones, Paramore zone A, B and C, or maybe it was one, two and three, but the West lakes district, Mm -hmm. the second newest one that branched off from the OBT zone. So that was actually part of that original Paramore expansion. They became a main street district first and they're just that OBT zone over there. And then the Paramore district that was just launched is the other two zones. Got it. And I was speaking with Natasha Gay, the new executive director who was serving as associate director of the city district. She was sort of a big part of getting the Paramore district underway. So she's now the executive director of the Paramore district. She was telling me that the two different zones are sort of like their areas of focus. So they're going to be concentrating on that, that Paramore zone A district first and foremost, and then sort of branch out to the other one. So the South Paramore Avenue, Natasha was telling me, was Mm -hmm. really their initial main street that they're trying to revitalize and get some economic development. And that's where the two of those those murals were unveiled. Nice. So I think it's going to be great for the community, but it'll probably, it'll be a multi-year thing to sort of branch out through the whole of Paramore. But Mm -hmm. I think it's a great... I agree. That's great. We're going to take a little break, but hang tight. When we come back, we're going to talk about some very creative development happening in the packing district. If you need a little pick-me-up, a little more pep in your step, go to your podcast provider and subscribe to Your Daily Dose with Bob and Nick. Your Daily Dose with Bob and Nick comes out every weekday, five times a week, and every episode is less than 10 minutes. Perfect for your ride to work or from work, or near work. Now back to the show. 
Welcome back. Debbie, you were talking about something in the packing district. Is it the adaptive reuse that's happening? How did you know? Because I read the paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I loved Nick's article this month about the the way that the the packing district folks are using old buildings and turning them into something new and current for our time now. Yeah. Have you heard of this term adaptive reuse before? I heard of it initially when I went to a state of the milk, which oh, is a okay. really cool yeah. name for like the rundown of the main street district, but they, they do a annual meeting. And a, a few years ago, it was about the adaptive reuse happening in the milk district. Yeah. So sideward brewing and things like that. Yeah. The, there's the Barton Mallow office building that yep. used to be something else, but yeah. Whipper will beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of examples of this around town. So smaller examples like the heavy uh, in Winter Park, the old Lombardi seafood, mm-hmm. um, you know, not a lot of physical structure changes, but basically taking this old building and turning it into something new. And I researched it by talking to a uh, uh, professor of environmental studies over at Rollins College. I wanted to talk to him because he started the urban planning master's that was over there for a little while. Okay. And his name is Bruce Stevenson. So he did a lot of work and studies on it. He wrote a book about it. Uh, he went and lived up in Portland for a year or Seattle. I can't remember which, uh, but wrote about all the stuff that was going on there. And it was, it was, you know, the uh, adaptive reuse was really started in taking these old warehouses and turning them into livable and workable spaces hmm. because the bones of these buildings are so strong, right? Like they built these things to last forever in many cases. So architecturally, they're so strong and they mean so much to the neighborhood if they have a certain look to them, if they're part of the landscape of the right. neighborhood. Well, I know the, the, the packing district really wants to pay homage to the history. Yep. So this is a great way to do it. And so what kind of buildings are being reused? Yeah, so the Great Southern Box Company, so basically where they they built the uh, boxes for all the fruit that was picked in the packing district, ironically enough, is turning into, not ironically, because that's why they called it that, uh, <laughs> but they're turning that into a big food hall and brewery. Um, so they're taking this old building, reusing as much of it as they can, but then modernizing it as well, right? Like it's not, uh, it's going to be structurally sound. They're going to put in new windows. A lot of the buildings that get this adaptive reuse will be, you know, in many cases, LED or LEED certified. Okay. Um, and so you have that opportunity to update them in that way as well. And what Dr. Phillips Charities did was take a look at all of the buildings in this coverage area, in this packing district and what buildings could be reused. So in this case, we wrote, I wrote about specifically the one at 1900 Diversified Way, which is kind of, it looks like this old rundown rectangular building, and they're going to do some great things to it. So it can be used by a, as office space okay. for a company or maybe a couple of different companies, uh, depending on the amount of room that they need. So it's a lot of fun to do the research on this and kind of think about, oh, what could happen to some old building or what could happen to this big warehouse what fun that so could be. great yeah. because you know you, you were mentioning you know it's important to the neighbors and everything the community because it's it some of these buildings are what brings the character to an area yep. right so mm-hmm. if everything just gets torn down and all the buildings sort of look like every other new building going up that's eh, it's no fun yeah so yeah really cool great story thank it, you it was cool to see the the rendering of how they expect it to look compared to mm-hmm. the way it looks now and it's like you can see how the shape is the same mm-hmm. but they changed some things to really modernize it while keeping the i guess the original character of the building it's really cool yeah 
But how how great. old are they? Are some of these buildings? Are they like because they're from back when? You said actually where they were packing oranges. Yeah, so some are from as old as the 1920s. Some of them are going to be a little more modern. Um, I believe this one was from, say, the 1960s, mm-hmm. 1950s, 1960s. So it's going to run the uh, run the gamut as far as ages go. But I think what they did was out of all of the buildings there, I think they identified somewhere between 16 and 20 buildings oh, wow. that would be good prospects for adaptive reuse which isn't always cheaper than just tearing it down and starting over um Mm -hmm. but again to your point debbie about you know the look and feel of the neighborhood Mm -hmm. and being true to that and also taking something and not using as much uh uh, you know not having as big of a carbon footprint right with having to take and putting all this stuff in a landfill but reusing a lot of the stuff there it might be a little more expensive, but it's it's better in many ways. That's one thing I really admire about Dr. Phillips Charities. That's important to them, you know, to keep, like you said, pay homage to the history and mm-hmm. to kind of keep that interesting community feel. And so I, I, I'm really glad they're the ones who are developing the packing district yeah. because they do care. So the packing district is also going to have a lot of new growth in terms of residential and one of the interesting things coming out about that is who's going to be their city commissioner, who's going to be their state senator, who's going to be their state legislature, because or legislator, uh, because we just had redistricting going on. So, Tommy, you wrote about city redistricting recently That's in the paper. Re- yeah. What's going on with that? So the census, as you guys remember, was in 2020. And so the every 10 years, the city re- redraws district maps the commissioner seats where they where they oversee mm-hmm. changes every 10 years slightly and the whole idea of it is to make sure that each district represents the same number of people right so as people move and maybe more people move downtown maybe more people move to college park than did before they redraw the districts and it's a whole big process so this has just started and so the only step they've taken so far is doing the city commissioner redistricting advisory board. Oh, okay. That's a mouthful. Yeah. And I might have gotten some of those. Maybe that's not the exact name of it, but <laughs> uh, an advisory board that is made up of people who are going to be overseeing the commissioner redistricting. But it's also very community-based. So they're holding a lot of open houses and they're teaching people how to use the GIS software to draw mm-hmm. maps and everything. So some of the first meetings are going to be March 7th and 8th. So it's uh it's going to be a long process I think, but it's going to be interesting to see how the populations have changed. Mm-hmm. Just from my outside view, I assume a lot of more people moved downtown. Because if you think of 10 years ago, how much has downtown changed? There's been right. several apartment projects that have propped oh, yeah. up and with Creative Village. And well, that might not reflect all the way because it's 2020. So. I, oh, yeah. No, no, not everything was online at that point. Yeah. yeah. So it, it'll be really interesting to see how exactly the districts will alter and how community feedback will be involved. But. You wrote a little bit about how the so the state does it too. So the the state redistricts, the city redistricts, I, I'm sure the county redistricts, but we haven't dug into that. But 
Yeah, so I thought it was going to be wrapped up relatively soon for the state because the uh, legislature is uh, closing up on March 11th is the last day of all of their uh, the session, the mm-hmm. legislative session. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought it was going to be done by then, but what it looks like is they're going to be done uh, probably by June, and they kind of have to be because that's when people can start declaring to run for right. the 2022 election. So they're thinking based on some of the challenges that might happen and the conversations that still need to be had, that that's more likely when it's going to be completed. So I'll write a follow up and see what's going on with it so we can talk about, you know, um, one person I think we all know of when we think about state uh, legislative uh, politicians is on Eskamani. So is she going to be covering as much as uh, or any of College Park anymore? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you know, once all this changes, is there going to be someone new in town? Is there going to be a new legislative district? Because between 2010 and uh, 2020, three million people moved to, or the population rose by at least three million people, mm-hmm. something along those lines. So with the commissioner districts in the city, it's going to be six. It's, it's staying at six, obviously. Yep. But in in the house, are they adding? Yeah, they, they're not adding as many. If I remember correctly, they thought they were going to be adding more, but the population uh, growth in Florida, according to the census, wasn't as high as they thought it was. Okay. I wish we could do it, redo it now because I think between 2020 and now, so much has changed. So much has changed. Yeah. But anyway, what's the deadline, do you know, for the city redistricting? Well, there's a lot of info online, but I don't think there's a deadline yet. There's still in the very early process. Okay. But I assume they're trying to get it done this year. If you go to cityoforlando.net and search redistricting, there mm-hmm. should be a page that shows all the meetings and open houses and everything. And they're doing subcommittees for different districts. So there's a lot of ways you can get involved and yeah. see the process. And the GIS software is pretty easy to use. I started playing around with that when I was doing the story. So you can kind of like look and see and make recommendations on what you think redistricting looks like. Maybe it's a personal thing, but I, GIS was one of my least favorite classes in college. It was. I remember uh, when you were taking that class. Yeah, geographic I don't, instrument. Geographic savings. information system. Okay, oh, that was close. It's like that a, put you through the ringer. Oh man, I was not happy. <laughs> I did not like that class. But maybe this software is easier to use because this was ArcGIS, which is like for, I'd like I mean not just regular people to use like the, there are people who do gis for a living mm-hmm. and that's like what they do so maybe i was a little but it was an elective so i didn't think it'd be that hard but anyways i think you should get on it i think you should get on there i've already got some background I redistrict can draw the easy for you yeah. no tommy you should just redistrict us yeah the, who needs a board just let me do it i'll, I'll yeah. make sure it looks good um so that was um talked about at the last city council meeting that you went to. Yeah. So the advisory board was finalized and approved. And uh, there were two meetings in February for city council. And another thing that happened is an unfortunate thing is the, the Holocaust center was delayed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're moving to North downtown Ivanhoe village where that chamber of commerce building is. And that's supposed to be a huge thing. It, it was going to, they originally thought it was going to be a $30 million project. They found out recently through, uh, with the pandemic and everything in the supply chain that they now found out that it's going to be $10 million more. So it's going to be a $40 million project. And they had a deadline, I think it was in April, that they would need to meet the $30 million. 
to move in by 2025. And with the new timeline, they asked for an extension with the city because they got the 30 million, but now they need 10 million more. Yeah, it was something they couldn't predict when they started raising money. Exactly. Of yeah. So, so that, so they have more money to raise, and the timelines pushed back a little bit. But it's still coming to North Downtown. It's just we don't know many details yet. So, yeah. that's something that happened at City Council. It's a shame it's delayed, but you know, making sure that you have the funding and that it's going to get built is really important. So, oh yeah, it's going to be so great. They have. I mean, it's going to be a huge project. And yeah some of the things that they're going to do, they're going to have like 3d uh, projections of people who survived the Holocaust and were filmed telling their stories. And apparently they're going to be, you're going to be able to ask questions and they're going to be able to respond. So, I mean, it's going to be a one of a kind thing. It's awesome that it's happening in Orlando. It's incredible. Uh, Another update from city council is Edgewater drive. You know, they're doing the com- complete streets project. Yeah. So they're... So better sidewalks, more uh, pedestrian, bike friendly, all of those things. Yeah. The whole thing about complete streets is that it's supposed to cater to every type of traveler. So if you're riding a bus, it should the street should be made with bus riders in mind. Yeah. If you're riding a bike, the street should be made with bikers and pedestrians and drivers if i'm riding one of those penny farthing bikes you know the one with the big wheel on the, the front wheel. and the tiny wheel on the back mm-hmm. there'll that... be a bike lane for you okay great but not a special what was the word you know the name of those bikes the penny farthing the penny farthing bicycle i don't think there'll be a penny farthing bike lane uh but just a regular one i don't know if that's a complete complete street <laughs> <laughs> so well most modes of transportation that are normal <laughs> <laughs> how do you know that that's the so random bike. everybody knows the penny farthing bike I how do you mean, spell that p-e-n-n-y yeah f-a-r-t-h-i-n-g i may have just made it up who's to say <laughs> never know knowing you like i do it's very possible <laughs> well so anyways the edgewater drive complete streets project is inching along and finally they chose a so last i think august last august they shortlisted engineering firms which is basically they're like these are the top three we're going to work on getting a contract for the top one and if that doesn't work we'll go to the second one well they got the top one it's hd yeah hdr engineering so they're going to be the ones developing the plans and there's been a lot of community input and it's a lot of community i mean it started in 2007 Mm -hmm. it's it's been a it's time yeah it's time to get this going so hdr is a great firm too they have an an office downtown my daughter actually used to work for them and just great ton of their employees live in college park and um yeah great company i'm glad they got chosen when i think they were involved in some way on the i4 I4, project yeah Yeah. i'll never forget the day they found out they won that job and because Amanda was working for them at that time and just, they're all just waiting. And when they found out that they, they got it, they were just Big screaming and yeah, everybody yeah. was so excited. So and yeah. now it's, is it done? Is I four done? I drove on the express line the other day when it was still free mm-hmm. and it was lovely. It was lovely. Yeah. I, same. Oh, it's so great. I haven't, I haven't done it yet. I don't actually have a sun pass on my truck because I don't, I don't oh, drive yeah. far. With well, then it, don't so. go on there because if you do, it's twenty five dollars. That's the lesson they say the is that it's it's they don't it's take it. Big. And don't speed. 
and don't speed. Yeah, 60 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Which feels like you should be able to go as fast as you want because you were, I was the only person on it. Yeah, there was very little. I saw more people today because I jumped on there this morning. Cause yeah. I, I was curious about it to see if yeah. it was like relieving any of the uh, pressure and stuff and if people were using it. But uh, now it costs money. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's still very cheap. Like if you do the whole thing, I think right now it's $3 and 50 cents. Okay. But that will likely go up. I, I think I've read that they're going to sort of fluctuate the prices based on demand. So. Yeah. I yeah. think, it's, I think it's great. I know it's, you know, some people have mixed emotions about it, but I feel like any amount of cars you can get off of the main part of yeah. I-4, that's a good thing. Yeah. I think any way you could get cars off the road, but don't let me get on that tangent. I think we should expand rail, but, um, agreed the core, another road that's being, that's having some activity is the Corinne drive corridor. Uh, Finally on that one too. So, so it's, it's Virginia drive. Then it turns into forest Avenue. Then it turns Mm -hmm. into Corinne drive. So that whole part over there by Lou gardens, we were talking about earlier, that whole stretch of road used to be owned by the county. Right. And at a, a couple city council meetings ago, the city took control. And then Commissioner Stewart wrote in to us about it, right, Debbie? He did. And um, I, I have to say, this is one of the most exciting um, street redos to me because I have I ride bikes and riding cycling from like College Park to Audubon Park is an absolute nightmare. I mean, you're so afraid you're going to get hit by a car or there's going to be a car that opens their door right into you, you know, and the potholes and it's just, it's horrible. So super excited to hear that that's finally getting some traction, but it's complicated. You know, there's, um, Orange County owns part of the road or did winter park. Part of that's in winter park, Mm -hmm. Orlando. So it's not so easy. So, um, the project was accepted by Metro Plan Orlando, and and what they do is they kind of direct the funding that comes in from the state, um, federal money, and other sources f- for projects like this that cross over different jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. Um, so the city of Orlando has now has control of this project, and well, they're taking the lead on it, um, but it's a really really big project. So it's not something that's going to happen in a year. Um, they are going to start with some minor improvements, some repaving, you know, filling a lot of those potholes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the major overhaul is going to take years. Um, do you know, do, do they have funds to start? Do you know if they have funds to start doing these small things or? N- not. A, yeah. To start doing the small things. Okay. Yeah, they're good. But the major overhaul, they so they've gotten community input. So they kind of have a general idea. Mm-hmm. Um you know, conceptually, because they they're anticipated do. that they would take ownership of the road. They've been in talks with right. the county for years. Yes, about it. and so what they did also is at the same time they um, came up with the Virginia Drive, the plan. Virginia Drive special plan yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So they're gonna. That's all gonna happen. Hopefully, at the same time. That's the plan. But there's still a lot of engineering that needs to be done, and um, you know, coming up with the the hardcore plans. It's just right now, it's just the concept has been sort of hammered out. Um, so this is the just the beginning where as we're sort of seeing the end of the Edgewater Drive right. thing, we're not really the end, but the start of the end. Yeah. And, the beginning of the end, yes. <laughs> the, beginning the beginning of the, of the end. And but, then this is the beginning of the beginning. So it's, right. it's going to be a it's years long thing. But minute. hopefully not, not a 
I hope it's not as long as Edgewater year. year. I know. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be great. They're they're going to expand the cycling trail that'll come down to the Gaston Edwin. Um, Gaston Edwards. Gats, bleh, Gaston Edwards Park Trail. So that'll all be connected. So it'll be easier to ride your bike from here to there. Um, and then they're going to have, um, you know, wider sidewalks. They're going to ha- have some, it's going to be much safer for kids going to Audubon Park Elementary School, actually K through eight now. Um, so yeah, it's going to be great. I so just, the, so you're a bike rider. You're like a cyclist, right? Yes. So you've had experience going on that road before. There, yes. Cause I know that the urban trail is right there next to 1010 brewing, which is sort of right at the start of where that is. Right. And so the problem that the trails don't all connect, right? Mm-hmm. So you can be on one for part of the time, but then you have to get off and, and then go to the, pick up the next part. And, um, so then, you know, if you ride on the sidewalk, they're all bumpy and broken. And it's not when you're on a road bike, that's it's very uncomfortable to do that. And it's not safe. There are other people pushing their baby in a stroller or walking on the sidewalk. So yeah. um, cyclists really do need to be on the road. But it's scary. So, yeah, it's a good thing. I can't wait for it to happen. I hope it doesn't take quite as long as Edgewater. I hope not either. We fingers crossed. See. Yeah. You can't see it, but all of our fingers are crossed right now. They are. Oh, we actually had to cross them to make. We did. When you said that, we were like, "Well, we don't want to lie." So, right. So they're crossed now. Well, good stuff. Thanks everybody for getting together and sharing some good news with our listeners. Yeah. Make sure to pick up the paper to see the rest of the news you may have missed. Yes, if you don't get the paper in the mail, you can sign up online for a subscription, or you can also see our pickup locations where you can grab one at one of your favorite local businesses. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Community Podcast. Did you like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcast, and tell your friends and family to do the same. Stay up to date on the latest news from the Community Paper by visiting yourcommunitypaper.com and follow them on social media. The show is produced by Nick Jorgudio. Learn more about starting your own podcast by visiting orlandopodcasting.com.